0: The first seventeen of a series of personal writings from Meditations, Book One, by Marcus Aurelius, the Roman Emperor during 161 to 180 AD. Marcus Aurelius wrote the twelve books of the Meditations to set forth his ideas on Stoic philosophy and as a source of his own guidance and self-improvement. It is not clear that he ever intended the writings to be published, so the title Meditations is one of the several commonly assigned. These writings take the form of quotations Varying in length from one sentence to long paragraphs. Meditations is different to what we normally publish, but I'd love to hear your feedback on Instagram or by signing up to the listener email list. Go to sendmetosleep.com podcast for more information. All links are in the episode show notes. Now, let's get into tonight's episode. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Number one. Of my grandfather, Varus, I have learned to be gentle and meek, and to refrain from all anger and passion. From the fame and memory of him that begot me, I have learned both shamefastness and manlike behavior. Of my mother I have learned to be religious and bountiful, and to forbear not only to do, but to intend any evil, to content myself with a spare diet, and to fly all such excess as is incidental to great wealth. Of my great-grandfather, both to frequent public schools and auditories, and to get me good and able teachers at home, and that I ought not to think much if upon such occasions I were at excessive charges. number 2 of him that brought me up not to be fondly addicted to either of the two great factions of the courses in the circus called prancini and veneti nor in the amphitheater partially to favor any of the gladiators or fencers as either the palmulary or the secutors. Moreover, to endure labor, nor to need many things, when I have anything to do, to do it myself rather than by others, not to meddle with many businesses, and not easily to admit of any slander. Number three of Diogenetus. Not to busy myself about vain things, and not easily to believe those things which are commonly spoken by such as take upon them to work wonders, and by sorcerers, or prestigitators, and impostors. Concerning the power of charms and their driving out of demons or evil spirits and the like. Not to keep quails for the game, nor to be mad after such things. Not to be offended with other men's liberty of speech, and to apply myself unto philosophy. Him also I must thank, that ever I heard first Bacchius, then Tandasis, and Marcanus, and that I did write dialogues in my youth, and that I took liking to the philosopher's little coach and skins, and other such things, which by the Grecian discipline, are proper to those who profess philosophy. Number four. To Rusticus I am beholding, that I first entered into the conceit that my life wanted some red rest and cure, and then that I did not fall into the ambition of ordinary sophists, either to write tracts concerning the common theorems, or to exhort men unto virtue and the study of philosophy by public orations, as also that I never by way of ostentation did affect to show myself an active, able man, For any kind of bodily exercises. And that I gave over the study of rhetoric and poetry, And of elegant neat language. That I did not use to walk about the house in my long robe, Nor to do any such things. Moreover, I learned of him to write letters without any affectation or curiosity, such as that was, which by him was written to my mother from Sinuesa, and to be easy and ready to be reconciled, and well pleased again with them that had offended me as soon as any of them would be content to seek unto me again. To read with diligence, not to rest satisfied with a light and superficial knowledge, nor quickly to assent to things commonly spoken of, whom also I must thank that ever I lighted upon Epictetus his hypomentmata, or moral commentaries and common factions, which also he gave me of his own. Number 5. From Apollonius. True liberty and unvariable steadfastness, and not to regard anything at all though never so little, but right and reason, and always, whether in the sharpest pains or after the loss of a child or in long diseases, to be still the same man who also was a present and visible example unto me that it was possible for the same man to be both vehement and remiss. A man not subject to be vexed and offended with the incapacity of his scholars and auditors in his lectures and expositions, and a true pattern of a man who of all his good gifts and faculties Least esteemed in himself, that his excellent skill and ability to teach and persuade others the common theories and maxims of Stoic philosophy. Of him also I learned how to receive favours and kindness, as commonly they are accounted, from friends so that I might not become obnoxious unto them, for them nor more yielding upon occasion than in right I ought, and yet so that I should not pass them neither as an unsensible and unthankful man. Number 6. Of Sextus. Mildness and the pattern of a family governed with paternal affection, and a purpose to live according to nature. To be grave without affectation. To observe carefully the several dispositions of my friends. Not to be offended with idiots nor unseasonably to set upon those that are carried with the vulgar opinions, with the theorems, and tenets of philosophers, his conversation being an example how a man might accommodate himself to all men and companies, so that though his company were sweeter, and more pleasing than any flatterer's cogging and fawning. Yet was it at the same time most respected and reverenced, who also had a proper happiness and faculty, rationally and methodically to find out and set in order all necessary determinations And instructions for a man's life. A man without ever the least appearance of anger or any other passion, able at the same time most exactly to observe the Stoic apathia or unpassionateness, and yet to be most tender hearted ever of good credit, and yet almost without any noise or rumour, very learned, and yet make little show. Number 7. From Alexander the Grammarian. To be unreprovable myself. And not reproachfully to reprehend any man for a barbarism, or solecism, or any false pronunciation, but dexterously by way of answer, or testimony, or confirmation of the same matter, taking no notice of the word, to utter it as it should have been spoken or by some other such close and indirect domination, handsomely and civilly to tell him of it. Number 8. Of Fronto To how much envy and fraud and hypocrisy the state of a tyrannous king is subject to, and how they who are commonly called epitrids, i.e. nobly born, are in some sort incapable or void of natural affection. Number 9. Of Alexander the Platonic Not often nor without great necessity to say, Or to write to any man in a letter, I am not at leisure, nor in his manner still to put off those duties which we owe to our friends and acquaintances, to everyone in his kind, under pretense of urgent affairs. Number 10. Of Catulus. Not to contemn any friend's exploitation, though unjust, but to strive to reduce him to his former disposition, freely and heartily to speak well of all my masters upon any occasion. As it is reported of Domitius, and Aphendotus, and to love my children with true affection. Number 11. From my brother Severus. To be kind and loving to all them of my house and family, by whom also I came to the knowledge of Teresa. And Helvidius, and Cato, and Dio, and Brutus. He it was also that did put me in the first conceit and desire of an equal commonwealth, administered by justice and equality, and of a kingdom wherein should be regarded nothing more than the good. And welfare of its subjects. Of him also, to observe constant tenor, not interrupted with any other cares and distractions. in the study and esteem of philosophy, to be bountiful and liberal in the largest measure. Always to hope the best, and to be confident that my friends love me, in whom I moreover observed upon dealing towards those whom he reproved at any time, and that his friends might without all doubt or much observation know what he would or would not, so open and plain was he. Number 12. From Claudius Maximus In all things to endeavour to have power of myself, and in nothing to be carried about, to be cheerful and courageous, In all sudden chances and accidents, as in sicknesses, to love mildness and moderation, and gravity, and to do my business, whatsoever it be, thoroughly and without quarrellessness. Whatsoever, he said, All men believed him, that as he spake, so he thought, and whatsoever he did, that he did with a good intent. His manner was never to wonder at anything, never to be in haste, and yet never slow, nor to be perplexed or dejected or at any time unseemly or excessively to laugh, nor to be angry or suspicious, but ever ready to do good and to forgive and to speak truth, and all this as one that seemed rather of himself to have been straight and right, that ever to have been rectified and redressed, neither was there any man that ever thought himself undervalued by him, or that could find in his heart to think himself a better man than he. He would also be very pleasant and gracious, Number 13. In my father, I observed his meekness, his countenance without wavering in those things which, after a due examination and deliberation, he had determined. How free from all vanity he carried himself in matter of honour and dignity, as they are esteemed, his laboriousness and astutity, his readiness to hear any man that had aught to say tending to any common good, how generally and impartially he would give every man his due, his skill and knowledge when rigour or extremity, or when remissness or moderation was in season. How he did abstain from all unchast love of youths, his moderate condescending to other men's occasions as an ordinary man, neither absolutely requiring of his friends, that they should wait upon him at his ordinary meals, nor that they should of necessity accompany him in his journeys, and that whensoever any business upon some necessary occasion was to be put off and omitted before it could be ended, He was ever found when he went about it again, the same man that he was before. His accurate examination of things in consultations and patient hearing of others. He would not hastily give over the search of the matter as one easy to be satisfied with sudden notions and apprehensions his care to preserve his friends how neither at any time he would carry himself towards them with disdainful neglect and grow weary of them nor yet at any time be madly fond of them he contented mind in all things, his cheerful countenance, his care to foresee things afar off, and to take order for the least, without any noise or clamour. Moreover, how all acclamations and flattery were repressed by him. How carefully he observed all things necessary to the government, and kept an account of the common expenses, and how patiently he did abide that he was reprehended by some for this, his strict and rigid kind of dealing. How he was neither a superstitious worshipper of the gods, nor an ambitious pleaser of men, or studious of popular applause, but sober in all things, and everywhere observant of that which was fitting, no effector of novelties." in those things which conduced to his ease and convenience, plenty whereof his fortune did afford him, without pride and bragging, yet with all freedom and liberty, so that as he did freely enjoy them, without any anxiety or affection when they were present, so when absent, he found no want for them. Moreover, that he was never commended by any man as either a learned, acute man, or an obsequious, officious man, or a fine orator, but as a ripe, mature man, a perfect, sound man, one that could not endure to be flattered, able to govern both himself and others. Moreover, how much he did honour all true philosophers without unbraiding those that were not so. His sociableness, his gracious and delightful conversation But never unto satiety, his care of his body within bounds and measure, not as one that desired to live long, or over-studious of neatness and elegancy, and yet not as one that did not regard it, so that through his own care and providence, he seldom needed any inward psychic or outward applications, but especially how ingeniously he would yield to any that had obtained any particular faculty, as either eloquence or the knowledge of the laws or of ancient customs or the like and how he concurred with them in his best care and endeavour that every one of them might in his kind, for that wherein he excelled, be regarded and esteemed. And although he did all things carefully after the ancient customs of his forefathers, Yet even of this was he not desirous that men should take notice, that he did imitate ancient customs. Again, how he was not easily moved and tossed up and down, but loved to be constant, both in the same places and businesses, And how after his great fits of headache he would return fresh and vigorous to his wonted affairs. Again, that secrets he neither had many, nor often, and such only as concerned public matters. His discretion and moderation in exhibiting of the public sights and shows for the pleasure and pastime of the people, in public buildings, conjugaries, and the like. In all these things, having a respect done to men only as men, and to the equity of the things themselves, and not unto the glory that might follow. Never want to use the baths at unseasonable hours. No builder, never curious or solicitous, either about his meat, or about the workmanship, or colour of his clothes, or about anything that belonged to external beauty. In all his conversation, far from all inhumanity, all boldness and incivility, all greediness and impetuosity, never doing anything with such earnestness and intention that a man could say of him, that he did not sweat about it, but contrariwise, all things distinctly at his leisure, without trouble, orderly, soundly, and agreeably. A man might have applied that to him, which is recorded of Socrates, that he knew how to want and whereof most men show themselves weak, and in the fruition intemperate, but to hold out firm and constant, and to keep within the compass of true moderation and sobriety, in either estate is proper to a man who hath the perfect and invincible soul such as he showed himself in the sickness of Maximus. Number 14 From the gods I received that I had good grandfathers and parents, a good sister, good masters, good domestics, loving kinsmen almost all that I have, and that I never through haste and rashness transgressed against any of them, notwithstanding that my disposition was such as that such a thing, if occasion had been, might very well have been committed by me, but that it was the mercy of the gods, to prevent such a concurring of matters and occasions as might make me to incur this blame. That I was not long brought up by the concubine of my father, that I preserved the flower of my youth, that I took not upon me to be a man before my time, but rather put it off longer than I needed. That I lived under the government of my Lord and Father, who would take away from me all pride and vainglory, and reduce me to that conceit and opinion that it was not impossible for a prince to live in the court without a troop of guards and followers, extraordinary apparel, such and such torches and statues and other like particulars of state and magnificence, but that a man may reduce and contract himself almost to the state of a private man, and yet for all that not To become the more base and remiss in those public matters and affairs, wherein power and authority is requisite. That I have had such a brother, who by his own example might stir me up to think of myself, and by his respect and love, Delight and please me. That I have got ingenious children, and that they were not born distorted, nor with any other natural deformity. That I was not great proficient in the study of rhetoric and poetry, and of other faculties, which perchance I might have dwelt upon if I had found myself to go on in them with success. That I did by times prefer those by whom I was brought up to such places and dignities which they seemed unto me most to desire, and that I did not put them off with hope and expectation, that, Since they were yet but young, I would do the same hereafter. That I ever knew Apollonius and Rusticus and Maximus. That I have had occasion often and effectually to consider and meditate with myself concerning that life which is according to nature what the nature and matter of it is, so that as for the gods and such suggestions, helps and inspirations, as might be expected from them, nothing did hinder, but that I might have begun long before to live according to nature, or that even now that I was not yet partaker and in present possession of that life, that I might myself, in that I did not observe those inward motions and suggestions, yea, and almost plain and apparent instructions and abominations of the gods, was the only cause of it, that my body in such a life hath been able to hold out so long, that I never had to do with the Benedicta and Theodotus, yea, and afterwards when I fell into some fits of love, I was soon cured. That having been often displeased with Rusticus, I never did him anything for which afterwards I had occasion to repent. That it being so that my mother was to die young, yet she lived with me all her latter years. That as often as I had purpose to help and secure any that either were poor, or fallen into some present necessity, I never was answered by my officers that there was not ready money enough to do it, and that I myself never had occasion to require the like succor from any other. That I have such a wife, so obedient, so loving, so ingenious, that I had choice of fit and able men to whom I might commit the bringing up of my children, that my dreams I have received help as for other things, so in particular how I might stay my casting of blood and cure my dizziness. As that also that happened to thee in Cajeta, as unto Creus when he prayed by the seashore. And when I did first apply myself to philosophy, that I did not fall into the hands of some sophists, or spent my time either in reading the manifold volumes of ordinary philosophers, nor in practising myself in the solution of arguments and fallacies, nor dwelt upon the studies of the meteors and other natural curiosities. All these things without the assistance of the gods and fortune could not have been Number 15 In the country of Caddy and Granua, these Betimes in the morning say to thyself This day I shalt have to do with an idle, curious man With an unthankful man A railer A crafty, false Or an envious man an unsociable, uncharitable man. All these ill qualities have happened unto them through ignorance of that which is truly good and truly bad. But I that understand the nature of that which is good, that it only is to be desired, and of that which is bad, that it only is truly odious and shameful, who know moreover that this transgressor, whoever so he be, is my kinsman, not by the same blood and seed, but by the participation of the same reason and of the same divine particle. How can I either be hurt By any of those, since it is not in their power to make me incur anything that is truly reproachful, or angry and ill affected towards them, who by nature is so near unto me. For we are all born to be fellow workers, as the feet, the hands, and the eyelids, as the rows of the upper and under teeth, for such therefore to be opposition is against nature, and what it is to chafe at and to be adverse from, but to be in opposition. Number 16. Whatsoever I am is either flesh or life, or that which we commonly call the mistress and overruling part of man, reason. Away with thy book. Suffer not thy mind any more to be distracted, and carry to and fro, for it will not be, But as even now ready to die, think little of thy flesh, blood, bones, and skin, a pretty piece of knit and twisted work consisting of nerves, veins, and arteries. Think no more of it than so. And as for thy life, consider what it is, A wind, not one constant wind neither, but every moment of an hour let out and sucked in again. The third is thy ruling part, and here consider, thou art an old man. Suffer not that excellent part to be brought in subjection, and to become slavish. Suffer it not to be drawn up and down with unreasonable and unsociable lusts and motions. As it were with wires and nerves, suffer it not any more, either to repine at anything now present, or to fear and fly anything to come which the destiny hath appointed thee. Number 17 Whatsoever proceeds from the gods immediately, that any man will grant, totally depends from their divine providence. As for those things that are commonly said to happen by fortune, even those must be conceived to have dependence from nature, or from that first and general connection, and concatenation of all those things, which more apparently by the divine providence are administered and brought to pass. All things flow from thence, and whatsoever it is that is, is both necessary and conducing to the whole, part of which thou art. And whatsoever it is that is requisite and necessary for the preservation of the general, must of necessity for every particular nature be good and behoval and as for the whole, it is preserved, as by the perpetual mutation and conversion of the simple elements one into another, so also by the mutation and alteration of things mixed and compounded. Let these things suffice thee, let them be always unto thee, as thy general rules and precepts. As for thy thirst after books, always with it will all speed that thou die not murmuring and complaining, but truly meek and well satisfied, and from thy heart thankful unto the gods.